0: As of this recording on April 6, 2020, COVID-19 has affected over 200 countries, with world cases exceeding 1.2 million. Over 40 states in the U.S. have issued stay-at-home orders, which in most cases includes the closure of non-essential businesses. And yet here you are. You've been deemed essential. Now what? I'm your host, Penny Conway, and on today's episode of Connection Tech Experience, we're going to talk about how to react quickly by developing a business continuity plan on the go and how to adapt to the new normal when there's no official playbook to pull from. I have with me esteemed guests, Steve Crothers and Mark Wolfers, and we are going to tackle this and more on today's episode of Connection Tech Experience. Steve and Mark. How are you?
1: Good morning, Penny. Good morning. Great. Thanks. Good
0: morning. And I also have Rob McIntosh here with me. Good morning, Rob.
1: Good morning, everyone. (laughs) Happy Monday. Happy Monday.
0: So Mark, we're actually welcoming you back to the podcast today. And Steve, it's your first time. So I just want to give you guys a chance to introduce and reintroduce yourselves to our audience this morning.
2: Hi, everybody. Thanks for having us on today. I am Mark Wolforst. I am the Director of Technical Services and Solutions out of the Technology Integration and Distribution Center in Wilmington, Ohio. Uh, my teams cover all of the uh, upfront part of the business, the imaging, the provisioning, R&D, technologies, and solutions.
0: Excellent. Thanks.
3: That's a Welcome, lot, That's Mark. A lot right there. <laughs> I know.
0: Is that all you do, Mark?
3: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. He does, a lot. he does a lot more, believe me. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. I'm Steve Crothers. I'm the vice president of our TIDC, which is our technology integration and distribution center. And let me just explain a little bit of what that means, right? Our technology integration center is really a made up center of our configuration services that we provide to solutions to our customers, as well as our depot services, and as well as the the services that we provide out of our distribution center. So it's more than just a warehouse operation. So we really put more emphasis on the technology integration piece of this and then distribution center. So that's where we get the TIDC at.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And what that? thank you for that uh, precursor because we're going to be using the acronym TIDC throughout this podcast. So good to level set so everyone knows, everyone loves to talk in acronyms, but doesn't always describe what they are. So I'm really excited to have you guys on the podcast today. Now, it goes without saying, you guys have probably had a busy past few weeks. Am I putting that lightly or not?
3: <laughs> I, I'd say you're putting it lightly, Penny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, Mark was on the podcast back in December. I think it was episode 30. I'm going to quiz myself here. I think it was episode <laughs> 31 or 39. <laughs> it was either the first 30. one or the ninth one. But Mark you were talking a lot about just general capabilities of the TIDC, how you had about a 1000 setups to do configurations at any one time and just your the regular volume you guys were doing what sort of changes have you seen in your day-to-day business that really is unprecedented because of what's going on today?
2: Yeah, Penny, there's been a big shift in the type of business that we're doing or the type of configurations we're doing currently with with the COVID-19 pandemic going on. It's really switched from government to healthcare orders. Those are the frontline Mm -hmm. individuals that are out there battling this pandemic. And we have been seeing a gigantic increase in healthcare requests, emergency requests from multiple states, New York, of course. Mm -hmm. And that's really been a big switch and change in our business.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, if I could kind of dig into that a little bit more, you know, we do a lot of things that I think normal people think of when they think of our TIDC is Maybe doing simple or complex imaging, you know, doing other sort of configuration services, installation services, what kind, you know, without divulging too many company secrets or our customer secrets, what kind of configurations and what kind of support are you giving the healthcare field today that maybe is different from what you were doing four or five months ago for them?
2: Yeah, what we're uh, getting a lot of requests for is to be able to get the physicians and support personnel home. All right. mm-hmm. So we're starting to do a lot of telehealth or telemedicine, anything those environments set up for the physicians, nurse practitioners, those people that are in the field that would be better suited to work out of their homes. Mm-hmm. So we're providing a solution set everywhere from sending them network devices, tablets, microphones, keyboards, monitors to get them set up. So it's kind of like how we talked about in the past, location in a box. This is really getting them set up for telemed. Out of their home. So it's like a location, their home location out of a box for them. It's get like it all pre set up. Box. <laughs> yep. Get it all ready to go so that we can get that equipment to them so that they can be helping the communities and the individuals in the US to take care of them through telemedicine.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. You know, one of the things that I have, you know, and Rob and I have said this on a few different episodes, but just in conversations with people, you know, what's happening right now is sort of kind of that very pivotal moment where we're starting to see all of the technical capabilities that we had with technology, with managed services and with configurations and and all that type of stuff. We've all had the capability to do this, but this has kind of been that pivotal point that's now forcing people who take advantage of all of those capabilities that have been in existence. And so was the TIDC set up and prepared for this? Is this kind of were you not waiting for this to happen, but sort of waiting for the need to present itself? And so you guys could kind of ride in like knights in your shining armor and sort of save the day? Or have you sort of had to bob and weave and, and set up new capabilities with what's happened?
2: Yeah, the the technology and the request, uh, you know, this is, you know, like you said, there's no playbook mm-hmm. for how we're having to deal with this. You know, there's nothing been designed on, you know, what do you do when you have, you know, 42 out of the 50 states in shelter in place or stay at home? All right. So, mm-hmm. that you know, that brings up some complexities for us at the TIDC. You know, the whole, if you talk about it, the social distancing, those aspects of trying to keep our employees safe. You know, there's a lot of challenges that we had to put in place that weren't there before. Right. You know, when there's no stay six feet away from each other, you know, techs can be working right hand in hand next to each other. So there were some challenges that we had to look at when this first came out. So when the social distancing requirement came out, hey, keep everybody six feet apart, we had to change how the lab looked and how the lab actually produced equipment without of our facility. We went around and actually created Markov and markers within the lab with red tape with X's. That would tell the employees, stay in these locations to keep yourself safe. So we had to do a lot of internal processing and changes within the facility to adapt to this new, maybe what we want to call it, the new normal.
0: Right, right. No, that's a good point. I'm at, I kind of am coming at it from the sense of what you've been able to do, you know, from a capability standpoint. But right. now you have all of these, I think on the last episode, you said it over 200 square feet of space, which, you know, we think would be easy to to distance ourselves. But you've right. got work areas and workstations, and you've got, you know, your laser engraving and your configuration lab. And I know you're starting your, your pod setup. And so how has, you know, has the need to social distance to kind of keep your employees safe? What kind of impact has that had on, you know, your ability to do business within the TIDC?
2: It hasn't really affected us at all, Penny. And Steve can attest to this. With uh, some of our shortage, and, you know, we have had some employees that you know, had the self-quarantine and stuff like that just because of their mm-hmm. health concerns and things. Even with that occurring, we're still hitting and producing the same amount of numbers that we were doing before this activity occurred. So our productivity is still there. We're still able to produce the amount of services and solutions to our customers, whether it still be location in a box, whether it's complex network configurations or the telemed. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still be able to do that. You know, we do have the 42,000 square feet facility. Uh, and you would think, like you said, it's easy to keep people apart. But human nature is to con- congregate next to each other, right? <laughs> and we've had to separate that. But the team with our capacity load planning and the solutions and the team coming together to work with all the sales teams, knowing some of our priorities are government and healthcare first. Uh, we have to get those solutions out the door. And, and those are a mix of everything. It's everything from a simple you know, Chromebook still to a complex you know, hospital physician office in a box. And we have to get them that equipment. So it's very complex.
1: Yeah, I just want to say, I think it's amazing too. you know, again, I was out to that warehouse and I see all all that goes into putting orders together for customers and all of the integration that you guys do. I mean, it's very complex. And with everything that's been going on with COVID and folks, you know, moving to a remote setting, I mean, that includes connection as well. So we had an amazing amount of disruption within our company. And I keep hearing from department to department to department that nobody missed a step And I'm listening to TIDC now. You guys did not miss a step. I mean, I don't know if people can grasp how incredible that is when you're running a business and running into that to be able to keep at a very high level for your customers. I mean, I I hate to toot our own horn, but I mean, I just, I think that's impressive. And any other company out there that's doing that, I mean, thumbs up to you guys too. That's really impressive because people, you know, we we were designated as mission critical. People are relying on us. And uh, again, it just is like, wow, that's, those are awesome stories. So thank you.
0: You know, I have to say, as a connection employee and not to pile on to Rob and give you guys so many pats on the back. but even as an a connection employee, very seamless going from in the office to home, I think our our leadership uh, definitely handled it well. And I think, uh, you know, if I were to take a a stab at why this may have gone so smoothly for many of us is, you know, this wasn't just, you know, oh, today we'll just decide to do this. You guys had to really put together a team in order to, figure out how to tackle this, what the next steps were going to be, and, you know, a popular term we're using now is task force. So did you guys put together a task force? You know, what did that look like coming together? And, you know, how are you making these day-to-day decisions so you have that continuity?
3: So, Penny, that's a great question. And I'll take that, Mark, if you're right. You know, Mark has done an incredible job keeping the technical side of this going and moving this, like he alluded to. But, Penny, you're right. You know, back in the what it was, you know, it seems like a decade ago, but back around April 9th, when this all started to unroll, right, you know, we were in the forefront front of this in a way that we were starting to see, you know, should we even be traveling? You know, we were getting ready to send a deployment of my leadership team up to Merrimack to do a E1 testing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, we had to make some quick decisions on should we ground those people? And a lot of this started rolling pretty quickly. But the criticality part of this that was really something that we thought of was it was coming out of that weekend. So we grounded everybody on Friday and we had a lot of discussions over the weekend with the leadership team and talking about you know what's going to happen, you know, when we the pandemic starts to roll out more and, and we do become essential and start things start to close, like Mark alluded to. you know, I, I thought it was critical, and, and I, I'm not going to speak just me, but I thought it was critical that we deploy a task force internally to the TIDC that went parallel with Tim and his leadership team and Brian um, Hicks and, and his support. But it was a really on the ground level, right? So you had this battle that you were facing on the ground level. And I can tell you, if we didn't have that task force in place come that Monday, the 16th, we would not be where we're at today. And mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, when the team got together as a leadership and we started formulating our plan, you know, things like social distancing that Mark was talking about, those were terms that nobody heard of before, right? right. We, we were trying to understand how we deploy that. How do we communicate? How do we get our associates knowing what that meant? And then not only that, you have this emotional piece as a leader that you start saying, wow you know, you have to have empathy for the employee and you have to understand their emotions and what they're going through. They're concerned about as the place on their clothes, are their health going to be issued? Are they going to be able to work and get paid? I mean, a lot of our employees are on a week-to-week basis on their paychecks, right? And that's there's nothing wrong with that. That's the environment we're in. We're in a direct labor force environment, production environment. So when we started putting the task force together, we had to know that we had to support our customers on the essential piece of this, right? Because we play a key role in that. But we also had to make sure we were supporting our employees. So we, when the announcement came out, we put the task force together. We made a lot of decisions right off the bat, like Mark alluded to. We we stopped all conference room meetings. We reorganized the cafeteria to have it social distancing, right? We made shifts available to all the employees. So we reached out. This is before we knew we were in a, a stay-at-home state, right? So we were doing all this before that. You guys kind of did your own stay at home state. We, we yeah. did. We, we did. We reorganized the, the center. We brought in an industry sterile cleaning company to come in and defog and clean over the weekend just to make sure we were all prepped and ready for Monday when it came. So when Monday came, boom, guess what happened? A stay at home or, or it happened. So we were already cleaned, prepped. We already had communications out to the employees around social distancing. Now, were we as far advanced as where Mark was talking about a few minutes ago? No, but we were getting there, right? We were getting it mm-hmm. out and and formulate a team. The team meets every day at 11 for an hour. We talk about everything. We talk about employees. We talk about who's in quarantine, who's went out sick. And, you know, so that happened. But the real key to the testament of the leadership team at TIDC that really, I think, was parallel to us still maintaining our customers' orders and where we're at today is that we were hit with a double whammy. We were at a stay-at-home on day one, right? So that already had everybody freaked out a little bit from an employee state because, you know, we were considered essential. So people were already... Uh, you know, concerned about coming to work. But we did have somebody at that same time that was working in the lab for, as a temporary associate, test positive to the COVID-19. So if, and she was out quarantined before we did the cleaning over the weekend. So that cleaning over the weekend really helped us stay operational. So we had to go through legal. We had to go through the CDC. We had to go through all this to talk to them about what we did and what steps we took. If we wouldn't have been proactive as a leadership team taking those steps, we probably would have had our facility shut down for multiple days while we started to put this together, get an industrial team that was probably already attained by another company at that time, probably because of all the stay at home. So we may have been in a delay there. There could have been a multitude of things that arose from there. So it was critical that we had this in place. And, and I, it's an testament to the team and what we were doing to instill this, because I can tell you, we faced a lot of dilemma when that double whammy hit. We had people walking out of the facility I mean, we did. We just had people say, nope, I'm, I'm not staying here. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I have a family. I have kids at home. And we, had a, we didn't have a mass walkout, but we had, what, Mark, we were operating at 43% of our workforce? Yeah, the,
2: first, the first day was
3: 37%. 37%. And then we have all these customers calling us going, what are you guys doing? Are you staying open? How are you doing this? What are you doing? And what Mark was alluded to, we were already in the mindset of saying, okay, let's get our operations in order. Let's get our production environment set for the social distance. And get us our set and give the employees a sense of calmness, a sense of comfort, knowing that we cleaned, have the cleaning crews come in during the week. We were able to bring the cleaning crews in Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to be there with the employees while they were spraying and cleaning and disinfecting, giving them a sense of calmness, right? HR did a tremendous job. What they did is they really reached out to all of our employees and they started coaching them and talking to them about what we're doing and what's happening. So they brought back some employees as well too. So it was a big effort in the beginning.
0: Yeah. And that's been one of these things where everything happened at one time. So it was, I don't think there was really a way to be ahead of the game, so to speak. But you know, where you guys met early, where you brought in that cleaning crew, where you sort of said, all right, here is, you know, we don't know what's going to happen on Monday, but here are things that we can do that if something were to happen, we can point to, okay, we brought that in, we clean this, this is the guideline we're following, this is what we're looking to do. And did you find after, you know, that initial sort of fear from employees that had some hesitancy coming into the office, did you find that once you were communicating out what you were doing, what steps you were taking how you were protecting your employees, that that sort of fear level started to reduce and they started to feel comfortable back in their workspace? Or are you still sort of walking that line of discomfort, but I need to come to work?
3: That's a great question. I I can tell you, and I'll let Mark allude to some of this, but I can tell you, we haven't stopped that progression, right? We're we're looking at every day and every day we're getting more and more employees coming back, but we literally had like a flat line for about a week. So we had to, as a team, say, what can we do more? And what was really good, Penny, that I don't know if you guys heard out in the connection yet, but we went out and retained two EMT paramedics certified in the state of Ohio to do our fever testing. Oh, so wow. we have every employee now starting last Monday or last Tuesday, excuse me, go through fever testing before they go into the facility by professional EMT. So what it is, is sort of like a drive-through. We put up a medical tent outside of our facility. We have the nurses come out to the vehicle. They roll their window down. They give them a thermoscan to the forehead or behind the ear, get a temperature reading. If the temperature is below the one 104.4, they go on and they park and they go back in the work that mm-hmm. has now started marking you and test us. he's been keeping track of our attendance that has brought back. Now we're up over 63, almost 75% attendance back awesome. because that is starting to give that s- sense of, okay, the rest of the employees that are in here at least don't have fevers or right. we're, all, we're all sort of equal, right?
0: I love that because I got to, you know, I'll I'll say honestly, I I went to, uh, this is moving so fast. And I went to the grocery store on Friday afternoon and I had to leave. It seemed so, one, incredibly depressing. Everyone's walking around with masks and gloves. There's places you can stand and places you can't stand. The looks of other people that are around you. You can see that people are scared to be around other people. And that makes you, like, I'm not super scared to be around other people, but seeing other people scared to be around me is something I've never experienced before in my whole life. And in another time, we would think that, oh, I'm coming to work and they're taking my temperature before I go into the office. That's something that would raise someone's you know, fear and alarm. But we're in a whole new world where that is, okay, everyone around me is healthy as far as I know. They're not just coming to work because they need their paycheck. They're clear. They're safe. I feel safe. And all of that is stemming from a leadership team that is recognizing that while we need to do what's good for the company, and we need to maintain a level of business and a level of output, at the end of the day, our employees are really important to our business and are what make our business. And we have to think about how they're going to be comfortable in order to feel comfortable to come to work.
3: No, let me just give a real shout out right there, Penny, real quickly to, the, to Tim McGrath and Brian Hicks. We went to... The- them with what can we do for our employees from a financial perspective, right? What can we do to, you know, we don't want to call it hazardous pay, right? We don't, we don't want to do that. Right. It's not, we don't feel we're in a hazardous position because we've done a lot of things proactively to keep it safe. But let's give them appreciation pay. And Tim McGrath and Brian Hicks and the leadership team signed off on $3 more an hour for all of our employees for appreciation pay, as well as we were able to freeze their incentives at 100%. So we didn't have to worry about if they meet their quality or meet their productivity because people were doing dual, different roles, right? People were moving all right. around the operation. So that was an extra couple dollars an hour. So, so the employees, I, I think, feel appreciated that way that we're investing in them, knowing that they're coming here doing an essential duty for us in our country.
0: I love that so much. And I, I we're seeing more and more leaders come out with sort of that mindset.
2: Yeah. One one thing, Penny, that, you know, when you talk about calming individuals down or calming staff down, the leadership team, Steve and others, you know, we go around every single day keeping our social distance and just talk to the staff that's there, showing mm-hmm. concern, you know, thanking them for being there every single day. Every day, Steve and I and others go down to the lab and out to the distribution center And talk to the individuals just to see how they're feeling, to see how they're doing. Uh, You know, and that goes a long way with with building that trust that you know we are taking care of them, right? And how we're going to do this. And and when Steve mentioned, you know, that that first day we dropped the thirty seven percent, the team members from all the other departments that might have worked in shipping or worked in receiving that used to work in the tech center, they all volunteered to go down and go down there so we could keep the production rates and everything flowing as we should within the facility without putting undue stress on the other individuals. So I had people from the pod team, you know, the teams that build the images going down and working back as as a tech in the facility. Uh, we had people that are in corporate services going out, working and shipping and receiving, scanning the devices and packing boxes. So hmm. we came together as a team and as, as a connection family to be able to ensure that our customers were still going to get the high quality and the products out the
3: door. And Penny, let me talk to about that. Mark is so modest, but, but think about this. We were asked to force all of our people that could work from home to work from home, right? And my leadership team has the ability to work from home at a director's level and that they could be working at home and, and doing that, but none of them, w- I couldn't get them out of the building. Let's put it that way. So yes. I basically told Dick and, and Brian that, hey, look, my leadership team is staying with the ship. They're going to stay here every day and they're not leaving. And I think that really showed the employees that, hey, look, if they're here, Right. And listen, you know, you could say what you want to say, but when the communication came out that most of connection was going remote and some of our Salesforce offices were closing our employees down here didn't take that very well, right? They felt no. like they should have been sent home and, and they right. should have had pay. But we had to really communicate and, and share with them, like Mark alluded to, going out on the floor, embracing their questions, working in conjunction with HR. I mean, HR has done a tremendous job on this too. I mean, Gretchen and Kim, they have done a tremendous job because this is unprecedented for them as well. I mean, they're used to handling a couple issues a day, right? I've seen 50 40 people coming through the office, right? Just asking questions. What happens if I get sick? Do I get paid? How does my insurance work? My husband just got laid off. What can I do? You know, all these questions. And I I can tell you that we're smiling on this call on a Monday because this is fun, right? This is something I want to get the communication out there because it's important. But this is weighed on all of us. It's weighed on the leadership team. And it takes a toll when you have the responsibility of over 200 something employees on your shoulders as a leadership team. And you're doing everything you can to make sure when they come to work, Worked, they leave the same way they came. And that's healthy, right? And you don't know what they're doing outside of the four walls. You're hoping that they're staying with the standards that are set by DeWine. He's been doing an incredible job in Ohio, but you're hoping that they're meeting those requirements. So when they come back to work, the fever test is the big one that, that will let us know that they're doing that, right? They're, they're following all the social distancing and doing what they're supposed to do to doing. But, you know, we also have a critical role on the other side and that's meeting what Mark was saying, our healthcare, our government contracts. Let me share a quick story with you that that yes. I got shared by Carl Uralt, who is responsible for the Abbott contract. I don't know if you heard the 15-minute lab test, um, the, the new thing that Abbott Labs has set up for the government. They're doing the 15-minute COVID testing. It's, done, mm-hmm. it's revolutionizing the testing and really allowing yeah. more statistics to go up. Those computers that were sent to them to do the molecular testing and do the testing on these kits were directly sent from the TIDC.
0: That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's
3: amazing. Pretty, pretty good story. And Mark, Mark yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, that was a big part. President's talked about it. Abbott's been in the in the news with everything. So and, and our computers were sent and deployed. And not only is what Mark was alluding to about the provisioning and what we're doing from a solution to our customers, the rapid deployment of mm-hmm. of equipment and things that you talked about earlier. That the, what Mark was shared to you that people from the offices were going in the warehouse, just putting their bodies out there, scanning, putting devices on the belts, getting them through. Right that would have never happened if we wouldn't and came together and got out of our comfort zones and said, where can we help? And that was all being deployed and logistically controlled out of the task force meetings on a daily basis. We were, mm-hmm. we were staying up on that, right? Mark was coordinating very closely with scheduling, you know, where are our priorities, government, healthcare, where do we need to move resources? So when we did have an absenteeism, it wasn't felt in the essential piece of our business because we were moving resources to meet those needs. And our leadership team with the sales leaders, you know, Bob, Howard, JT, and and Rick, they all supported us on understanding what those priorities look like. So it was mm-hmm. it was a really a team effort from the connection leadership down to to our ground level leadership.
2: And it, and it is nice to see the connection team and family checking in on us daily. Yeah, you know we get calls. Yeah, how are you doing? You know, is there anything we can do for you? Blah blah. You know, this, there's nice things that you know this this team is working well together. You know, the whole connection team, no matter what location you're at, we get calls every day. And that means a lot to the team. It does.
0: In all honesty, you know, I, Rob knows I like to be a little like gushy sometimes, (laughs) but, you know, in a way, like you guys really are our frontline workers, you know, where we don't work in a healthcare environment. We don't work in a, you know, EMT or fire or police environment. But like Rob said, our business was deemed mission critical you know, the product that we are pushing out is allowing for rapid testing and is helping healthcare workers be able to communicate with their patients remotely. And, you know, we can sit here comfy in our homes and say that we're helping to do that. But you guys really are on the front line. You've had to put processes and procedures and, you know, awareness in place in order to have that business continuity. And it really is, you know, I'll toot your horn. It's the leadership. I love that you guys and I'll say when we were scheduling this podcast, I assumed you guys were home. I... I, just, I didn't even, <laughs> like, until you logged on, it didn't even dawn on me that you were in the office. And I, as an employee of this company, I so appreciate your leadership because I think it really exemplifies what Connection is doing, but also the example that you're setting and the advice that you can give to other companies that are dealing with a very similar, we're all in this situation together. So Steve, you know, I, a question for you is for companies that have... Haven't reacted so quickly right. that didn't bring in cleaning crews over the weekend that have stay at home mandates, but still have, you know, mission critical employees you know, what advice would you give to them if maybe they were a little behind the ball or a little skeptical about what was going on? You know, how do they now move forward with a task force? And what do you think is the most important thing they need to focus on?
3: So first off, it's it's formulating the task force, right? Get your leadership, your core leadership team and get some good support staff around you. HR, safety, if you have an environmental safety team or whatever it may be, get them involved. But communication, Communication is critical. Mm-hmm. If we're not communicating, it's just not going to work. So, you know, get in there, communicate. Make sure the team is, everybody's on the same page, right? Because in this type of an environment, what you don't want to do, or you want to fail at, is you don't want to pass the wrong message to your employee staff. Right. You, you want to make sure you get your facts in a row. You want to take time to make sure you got all everything deployed. We could not release that we were doing fever testing if we didn't have nurses already on our uh, retainment, right. right? So we had to be patient. We knew what was coming. We had calls all the time. When are you starting it? When are you starting it? But trying to get two EMT nurses to cover almost a 12, 15-hour window in this environment, it was critical. It was difficult. Mm-hmm. But I would just say be patient, communicate, formulate the right team, and meet repetitively. And listen to your employees. Listen. Listen to their feedback. Mm-hmm. Understand what they're going through. Be patient and try to formulate your plan.
0: Right. And I think that goes, you're also listening to the the guidance that's out there that your states are giving. And, you know, a curiosity question in terms of you guys are reacting so quickly to advice and guidance. The newest guidance that's come down where, the you know, suggesting that people wear masks or gloves, you know, how are you guys handling that being so on top of what you're doing for your employees? What's sort of your stance on this?
2: Yeah, yeah. Penny, we're, we're always staying in touch, you know, HR and everybody's working with the health departments and everything within the state of Ohio and, and listening to the national requirements. So even before the CDC came out and said, hey, you know, people should at least have some type of, of mask. Whether it's a homemade mask, not medical grade, but some type of mask, mm-hmm. we were discussing this last week. So we actually have one employee; his mother is making a hundred masks, and we got another group making another hundred. So we're going to have over two hundred masks available to the employees when they walk in this week. So you know, we're trying to take you know, they can take those home, they can hand wash them, wear them the next day. So you know, we we take this very seriously, and we're always looking at. You know, things trying to get ahead of the head of the game. Right. Because like you said, there is no playbook. We have to think outside the box. And with Steve's leadership, building this task force has allowed us to have these team meetings and say, hey, should we do this? You know, or should we put the face masks or do we need to get the shoe covers? And we're looking at even shoe covers as well mm-hmm. for employees. And then we'll give them out daily and weekly advice. You know, when you go home, you know, take your shoes off before you go into house, you know, do things like that to try to not contaminate or do whatever and take it into your home. So we're working really close and getting that communication out. Like Steve said, communication is the key to this whole experience. And the companies that are working and communicating to their team members, I think, are benefiting from that.
0: I love it. While there is no playbook, I think you guys definitely are starting to write the playbook for what's going on now, which will continue to evolve, but also what's to come in the future. And number one, pull your leadership together. Start communicating regularly. I love that you guys meet daily. I think meeting daily helps you stay like Mark, you were saying you were thinking about the face mask and all of that you know, a week ago, you know, before sort of that guidance came out. So meet regularly, stay on top of things, listen to your employees, make your employees feel comfortable, make them feel recognized, allow a place for them to ask questions and express concern. And as you do those two things, I think coming up with the right decision to make in the moment becomes a lot easier. So all of that's easier said than done, I know, but I I think you guys are doing a great job. And I think those that are out there that are listening to you, both our customers and employees, definitely can take something away from what you guys have done so far and what you will continue to do down at the TIDC.
3: Yep. Thanks, Ben. Just to allude on one thing. If we got a couple minutes here, just to talk about Mark. Yeah. See, in the process right now, it's sort of it's sort of exciting for where we're at. If I can say exciting during a COVID nineteen pandemic. But Mark started alluding to, you know, what we're looking at now is the strategic direction that we need to go in the future. What does the now look like? Is this the mm-hmm. now? What does the future look like? Mark alluded to. We're already looking at re-engineering the layout of the lab. Mark attested to. He's looking at how does he drive. I'll let him talk about the new technology that he's putting in place to help mitigate this. If it happens again in the future, but we're looking at re-engineering the layout. We're putting plexiglass in areas of our depot stations where where we could separate the workforce of where we're at. And so we're already looking at not only what we're doing today to mitigate this, but what does it look like down the road? What can we do futuristic to help mitigate this pandemic? If it does reoccur or happen or some other pandemic happens, Mm -hmm. how can we be better prepared and how can we keep our employees safe during this time? Yep. But uh, some of the technology that
2: as Steve alluded to is, you know, we, we are trying to get to a, a thing that we call connect deploy that will automate the whole entire process. So what that does is it limits the number of touches people have to do, touching keyboards, touching machines, you know, as much as we can automate, we're working on. So we, we got a development staff really heading that and hitting that hard right now to try to get that deployed within this year as well some of the other things are is how do we train new staff members without having somebody looking over their shoulders? <laughs> so if you think about the uh, environments when you're in a hospital with the rolling the workstations, we're building something that's similar here where we're going to have a a desk, a rolling pod development machine that actually has dual monitors, headphones, cameras, so that somebody remotely can physically have up instructions on one screen, be talking to them on the other screen, and actually train individuals and not have to be standing over them during this process. So you got to look at what what might be the new norm. So you got to look at technology to help us and take us there.
3: That's a great point. And being point.
2: able to do training like that, live online video training with a representative somewhere within the facility or at home, you know, that takes you a long way.
0: Yeah, no, excellent point. Because I I think there's going to be a few stages that we have to go through as this. And I I don't think, and I, I don't think any of us here think that, you know, a switch will flip and everything is going to go back to exactly how it was. And, you know, we had that first stage, which was sort of let's get everyone what they need, where they need it so they can work and be ready. And let's equip our employees as much as we can. And now is the... How do we start planning for what is unknown? But two, what we do know, we do know that our business will continue, but what does that look like? I think putting things like that into place is, you know, if this extends for a long time, here's what our plan is. And even if this doesn't extend for as long as some people think, we now have a new technology and a new way of training and working with our employees that you know we never had before. That we can scale if we need to, and I think that that is super, super important. Is that that return, you know, sort of pathway has to be scalable in order to be successful.
3: You're right on, Penny. I fully agree. Yeah.
0: Awesome. So I would love to have you guys back, and you know, maybe a you know. Two to four weeks right. or something. I'm sure that this is going to look much different from now to then. And I appreciate both of you taking the time this morning to join uh, the podcast this morning. Super informative. If anyone is out there and really looking to figure out, you know, how to manage business continuity moving forward, I think what Steve and Mark are doing at the TIDC is a an excellent beginning of a playbook. So if you're out there and you have not yet put together a task force, I encourage 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 you to do so. Meet regularly with your team. Communicate effectively to your employees. Let them create a pathway of communication back to you and stay on top of what is going on and adapt as best as you possibly can to maintain that business continuity. Thank you both for joining me this morning. Great conversation. And I look forward to having you back.
3: Penny, thank thank you you so much. Thank you, Penny Rob. Thank Thank you. (laughs)
0: And on uh, whatever platform you're listening to us on today, please remember to like, share and follow and feel free to send us an email at podcast at connection dot com. If you'd like to share your own stories of building your playbook and developing your task force, we'd love to hear what you're doing and share it on the next episode of Connection Tech Experience.